0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC-TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 360, recorded on Monday, the 12th of February, 2018. I didn't know we'd come full circle. Apparently we have, number 360. That's exciting. So since we've come full circle, that means, what, do we go back and start counting down now? Or do we start over at one?
1: We can talk about the pilot. You want to talk about the pilot episode?
0: (laughs) Start over. Sure. So uh, (laughs) I'm excited to announce everyone that The Walking Dead has premiered on TV.
1: Oh, wait, no, we got to go back even further than that. We got to say that it's been... The rights have been purchased by AMC. Oh. That was what the first...
0: They didn't even green light the show at the time. Really back to the beginning. Yeah, the rights have been purchased. We don't know if we're going to get a pilot. I think they'll probably make one. We have no idea if it's going to go beyond that. You just... You don't (laughs) really... We have no idea. Who knows what's going to happen? Anything is possible. Well, anyways, what we are actually going to do today is get caught up on the Walking Dead news, and there is a bunch, uh, and that might be it. So we'll see how this goes. It'll okay. either go really long or, or really short, but probably not right in between. Maybe even both. Maybe even both. Might I, just It might be short, but feel really long. <laughs> We've had a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do want to start though by talking about our season eight record your favorite scene contest. And uh, just a quick reminder here that What the idea is, um, is for you to choose your favorite scene from any season of The Walking Dead and with your friends or family or by yourself, record it, send it in, and uh, at the end of season eight, Jason and I will choose our favorite, and that person will receive a very fancy, exciting prize pack. And really quick, uh, I know I talked the last time about what's in the prize pack, but there is uh, the Walking Dead Monopoly game, which is fun. There's the Walking Dead hardcover book 14. There's a Carl Grimes Funko Pop action figure. Well, not really action figures, but uh, figure. That's courtesy of a listener, Lucky, in San Antonio. The One of the most exciting things in there is a complete set of the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive all-out war uh, in um variant covers for mm-hmm. for this that series from the comic, which is very cool. And um and a D&D book that you've thrown into the mix, right, Mr. Miles? Yeah, the Dungeon Master's Guide with the Sererac, the, the Draco or not the Draco, but the Super Lich on the cover. Cool. That's that's really exciting. I've also decided to throw in the t-shirt I received from the uh, Walking Dead Supply Drop, the first one. It is ah. an all-out war Negan t-shirt. Size is extra large, but if that's not really your size you and you receive it, then you can pass it on to someone else. But again, exclusive t-shirt from the Walking Dead Supply Drop is going to go in there as well. So
1: if you can, uh, if it's too small, what you do is you cut slits in it. Right. And that can be a style. Sure. If it's a very eighties, you know, you cut the slits and you make it into a breakdancing dancing shirt. <laughs> uh, and if it's too big, uh, you just pin it at the back. You get uh, you get those big clips that you get at Home Depot, uh, sorry, at uh, Staples or whatever, Office Depot, and you clip them on the back like they do for a photo shoot. Uh, when they want the clothes to fit properly and they don't want to have to
0: tailor them, they just clip them. So you can do that if it's too big. Okay. So Jason has all the answers. So either way, you're set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're styling. One way or the other. (laughs) You're styling. All right. So there's that, all that stuff in there. And who knows, maybe as season eight unfolds, the rest of the way, we'll add even more to it. So uh, let me ask you a question about the, uh, the Walking Dead Monopoly game. Yeah.
1: Are are the rules the same? I assume the rules are the same because Monopoly is Monopoly, right? But really, if it's a Walking Dead Monopoly
0: game, isn't money irrelevant and you should be taking these hotels by force? Well, I assume the rules are the same. I have not opened the game. It's, it is a sealed package. I'm not going to open it and play it before I give it away to somebody. Uh, so I assume the rules are the same, but maybe, you know, maybe it's slight modifications like you're not purchasing properties. Maybe you're taking them over. Right. I I mean, in, in game, there's probably still some sort of money exchange happening with yourself and the bank, but. Right. It's just,
1: you know, things like free parking. Kind of loses its meaning in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Well, can I, do I have to pay to park here? No, you know what? We'll let it slide this
0: time. I'll bet you it's like a safe house. It's like free safe house or something.
1: All right. So the rules are
0: the same, but maybe the, the nomenclature for stuff is different. Okay. Maybe.
1: I don't know. I bet you there's railroads. I mean, uh, you know, Terminus has got to be on there somewhere. Oh yeah. Got to be on there.
0: Makes me want to play the Walking Dead
1: Monopoly. I think I want to play
0: this game. All right. Well, listen, man, why don't we pick up another copy of it and we'll have a game night?
1: That'd be nice. All right. (laughs) Can I play by my rules, Monopoly? I don't, well, I don't see why not. Okay, good. Because the last time I played Monopoly, there was four people and uh, I kept giving away properties for percentages of other people's takes and uh, making side deals. Uh, And at the end of the game, I got a taste of every single transaction in the game. I could not lose. I did not own any property, but I was getting a. I was getting a cut of every single money, a uh, bit of money that changed hand. I got a little bit. So
0: there's some kind of mob rule that you're going for here.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's how I played mob rules Monopoly. Okay, you can totally win that way. You just, you know, it's not necessarily against the rules, but uh, you know, extortion. And Monopoly is not a bad thing. Okay.
0: Well, it might work in Walking Dead Monopoly too. So maybe we'll, we'll try. try that someday. Uh, all right. I, I do want to play an entry though in, in the contest before we move on. So this comes from Gage and TJ in, well, I assume Alabama, even though I wrote down Alamana. <laughs> but you, I mean, you were close enough, I guess. I was close enough. Yeah. Your so, Canadianite uh, spelling of uh, US states. Here comes Gage and TJ from Alamana. Oh. Wow. You look just lost somebody important to you right now. Like, just now. Jesus. That is timing. Well, Rick. You chose this. I truly don't know what more I could have done to warn you. And this is no warning. This is punishment. I'm gonna kill Carl now. I'm gonna make it one nice hard swing. Try to do it in one because I like him. I just want you to put that in your brain and roll it around for a minute. I'm gonna kill Carl and then Lucille here. She's going to take your hands.
1: You can do it right in front of me. You can take my hands. I told you already. I'm going to kill you.
0: All of you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. But nothing. Is gonna change that nothing. You're already dead. Alright, thanks guys for that. That's of course Negan and Rick in the scene from. Uh the end of last season so nicely after, done after the uh, saviors had invaded or come into alexandria uh yeah very very cool um they obviously had some background sound effects and uh kind of an ambient score there setting the mood you don't need any of that if you're going to do uh, or submit an entry um you can just record with your phone anything like that get it into us and uh, be entered into the contest for the fancy prize pack thanks to Gage and TJ for sending that entry in, and if you want to send your own, you can record it and email it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, one more thing before we get into the news, and uh, this is just something that longtime listener Angie has sent in to me. She's from the UK. She goes to Walker Stalker Con London. I met her there last year when I went over for it. That was a lot of fun. But this year, she is involved in a fundraising initiative um, around Walker Stalker Con London and specifically with Michael Cudlitz's Bisquick Challenge. Now, Jason, are you familiar with what Cudlitz does at all these uh, uh, con- conventions? No. So the Bisquick Challenge if you recall when he was talking to Glenn on the show, when they were both still alive, he asked him about pouring the Bisquick and getting Maggie pregnant. <laughs> yes, I remember. Well, so this is, this is going in a direction that's making me slightly uncomfortable. Well, people started showing up at his table at the conventions, bringing him boxes of Bisquick. And he turned it into a thing uh, where he would collect non-perishable food items and, you know, donate them to local food banks and stuff like that. Nice. Okay. So that's much better than I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's (laughs) nothing. (laughs) It's it's totally 100% on the up and up and not gross at all. Okay, good. Uh, So anyways, he does that. And Angie in the UK is raising money to present him with a check uh, just to sort of bolster his his uh, challenge this year in London and raise some money for it. And she asked me if I can mention it here on the show for anyone who happens to be going to Walker Stucker Con London or who just wants to participate and make a donation. So I was happy to do that. They're actually raffling some things off, like a photo op with Jeffrey Dean Morgan at Walker Stalker London. So you nice. can you can buy into that and hopefully you win. Um, or you can just make a straight up donation. So I recommend you go check it out if you want to help out. I think the easiest way to find information is go onto Facebook and search for Bisquick Challenge London 2018, and that should come up. But of course, check the post on our website for this episode and i'll have a link posted there where you can get all the information and i'll also have a uh, a link to the uh the raffle for the photo op with jeffrey d morgan nice so very very cool check that out thanks angie for letting me know and uh we wish you and everybody all the best in uh, what you're doing there when you're going to london i don't think i'll be there this year but I'm, you know i'm sure it'll still be pretty fun comes up in Even even without you, it'll be a little bit, you know, entertaining at least. You know, without me there, it it won't be quite as good, but it'll still be fun. So don't worry about it. I did the venue they used in London last year, and I assume they're using the same one was amazing. It was a really, really cool place. So uh, go check it out, everyone. I mean, you're a nice guy and everything,
1: but you're, you're no Lou Temple.
0: No, God, who is though? Who is? Well, Lou Temple is, but that's it. (laughs) That's it. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Nobody really... (laughs) compares to that guy what a fun dude yeah all right time to move into the news the walking dead news all right jason are you ready for some walking dead news i am ready i am willing and i'm mostly able Mm -hmm. so let's get this thing doing (laughs) all right well Speaking of Walker Stalker Con, they recently wrapped up their cruise. Now they do a cruise as well as the conventions in cities. So they put everyone on a boat. They sail around for a few days. You get to hang out with Walking Dead celebrities. They do the panels. They do everything on a boat. So. Right. Do they go into international waters so they can get some really decent gambling in? That I have no idea. Uh, but maybe. I, I don't, I don't could, know if there's. be fun. I don't know if there's actual gambling on the Walker Stalker cruise, but. There's a lot of, um... Hey, if you're on a boat in international waters, you can do whatever you want. So you might as well. Pretty much. Right. Well, Robert Kirkman went on the cruise. It's the first time Kirkman has ever gone to a walker stalker event that I'm aware of. I don't, I I believe that's a true statement. So he went on the cruise. I guess he figured, you know, he's not going to bother going to some city somewhere. He's going to get on a boat and tour around the Caribbean. So that's, you know, that's good for him. But, uh, he said something at his panel that I posted on Facebook and my comment was that I think sometimes we might just all be better off if Kirkman just kept his mouth shut most of the time. Yeah. I would agree with that statement. That sounds like a true fact. Yeah. I kind of think so. So here's what he said. Uh, somebody asked him about Carl, of course, at his panel and he said, he's not dead yet. He might not die. You never know. (gasps) But I think if were that to happen, I think it would have some interesting ramifications on Rick, and I think would energize and really kind of set things in motion in a really interesting way, leading to the resolution of all out war in a way that will make for a very exciting back half to season eight. So I think it's going to be really cool <laughs> so why why even bother opening his mouth? First of all, it's so much
1: double talk and half lies that it
0: it's 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 only slightly worse than not saying anything right and the statement itself is confusing at best because like y- y- it's not really clear to me whether he's saying when he says if that were to happen does he mean if carl were to die or if carl were to live <laughs> right that's right <laughs> it's it's really Kind of confusing, and I don't know. And the fact that he's just saying things like he's not dead yet, he might not die. You never know. I mean, do we? Do we really okay. have? Are we really unsure about the fact or the question as to whether Carl is going to die or not? I um, get- no,
1: it, we're. They better not let Carl live. I really. We've talked about this ad nauseum before. Uh, I think the problem is that uh, you know he's really good at creating comic books and. Uh, stuff where you sit in a room by yourself or maybe talking on the phone to somebody. <laughs> uh, he's really good at that kind of stuff. He put him in front of a crowd. Uh, he just starts talking. Right. And right. You know, at the best of times when I'm speaking words, a lot of times they don't make a lot of sense together. Right. And I don't think that his make a lot of sense together either. So we really can't, he's not a spokesperson. We really can't take him at all what he says, because A, I'm not sure he knows what he's saying and B, he's trying to
0: hedge stuff that's coming out of his mouth in real time, which is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I I feel like he's the kind of guy who feels like he just has to say something when someone asks him a question like that, when maybe the best thing to do would be say, wait and see. Right. Write it down. You know? Maybe he should just think about it,
1: write it down, and then get somebody else to say it. I think that might be the best policy for him.
0: I suppose. But anyways, I do kind of wish Kirkman would just stop saying things. Uh, Scott Gimple. He's
1: really good at writing things down. He should just spend more time writing things down.
0: He really is. That's kind of his thing. He's a writer. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. So anyways, Scott Gimple is better at this kind of thing. Although, you know, they're all, they all say things like this once in a while. But uh, anyways, we've only got a couple of more weeks until Walking Dead comes back. So we'll find out if Carl lives or dies or something else happens. (laughs) Or somewhere in between. Yeah. Or both. (laughs) You never know. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about Kirkman saying stuff later. Uh, But let's move on to our next news item here. And this is regarding Lauren Cohan and her negotiation for a new contract for season nine of the show. Mm, This kind of stuff makes me sad. Does it?
1: Yeah. You know, when you start getting
0: actors and start talking about contracts, it just it gets all kind of weird. It does. But w- and and I've been putting this off a little bit, to be honest, because it's been in the news for a month now. And I didn't bring it up last time because I thought there might be more to this story than was originally reported. And and I think there is a little bit more. And also all of the actors or, or many of them are in contract negotiations now, or have recently finished contract negotiations. I think many of them expire at the end of season eight. So they're talking about what to do for next year. Yeah. That's what happened with friends. You know, they had a mm-hmm. seven year contract and once the,
1: that year, seven year was up, they all went into a collective bargaining session.
0: That's right, Ed, But they, they as a group agreed to bargain together so that nobody was paid more or less than anybody else. That's not happening on Walking Dead.
1: No, because yeah, that would be you know altruistic, which you know
0: the real world is not. Sure, but on Friends you could easily say that all six of those characters were equally important and were an equal part of that show. You I don't know. They rode Marcel off a little too early in my my opinion. What the monkey? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I'm not sure the monkey counts in that uh, group of six, but uh, with Walking Dead, there's way more characters and there's- Fewer monkeys, which is a mistake in my opinion. But anyway, go on. (laughs) Fewer monkeys. Yeah. So anyways, uh, Deadline reported back in early February that Lauren Cohan was actually entertaining multiple offers from other shows. They said, as I just said, that her contract ends after season eight and the demand for her talents, I guess, was very, very high. And so nobody was sure of whether she was going to actually come back to the show or not, or she was going to jump ship and go to another show. And what does that mean? Does, does it mean they kill her off or I don't know, does something else happen? Does she just walk away and leave? No one really knew, but people were concerned that she might not be coming back And then some rumors came out that she was asking for salary parity with her male co-stars, specifically Andrew Lincoln and Norman Reedus, who, according to Deadline, make significantly more than the rest of the cast. Now, um, on one hand, uh, I think you can, in a way, understand that they are primary characters. They've been around for a long time. And Deadline did say that they have, on average, more scenes than any other actors on the show. So mm-hmm. if you if you look at that fact, fine, maybe they should get paid a little bit more. But the rumor was Lauren Cohan was asking to be paid the same because she felt equally important. And I certainly wouldn't argue that point either. Um, now, they also said that this was not to be overblown and that her her, Lauren Cohan and her representatives didn't present this as like a make or break scenario. So it might not be that big a deal. It might not even be a thing. Um, But, you know, they brought it up and it could have just been a rumor. Uh, Anyways, after all that, later on in February, TV line came out and reported that she is still in active negotiations, but has no intention of leaving the show. And since season nine production doesn't begin until May, apparently they have, they feel they have lots of time to get a deal done. Yeah. They got almost three months. Well, that's the thing. Um, well, that's what I mean is like, if they don't get a deal done, you would think that they'd want to have things, uh, they'd want to have her character sort of finalized at the end of season eight, but it's too late for that now because that's all shot and done and in the can at
1: least. I don't know. Eight. They can, they, those, uh, those editor
0: wizards can do some pretty amazing things. I know, but the uh, story is written a long time ago. They'd have to, at this point, if they're not finished, you know, episode 16, they're very, very close to being finished. And I would think they are by now. So that's sort of done and put to bed. If they decided they wanted to say, kill her character off by the end of season eight, they'd have to They'd have to change something and reshoot, you would think, and I don't think that's a possibility at this point or a good idea. Maybe they'll pay her X amount of dollars just to show up in one episode to be killed off right at the beginning. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. Get through season eight, give her whatever she wants for season nine, episode one, and goodbye, Maggie. Right. Anyways, I don't think any of that is going to happen. I am choosing to believe that she is in fact coming back for season nine, that she'll sign a new deal and... According to the internet, indications are that is what's going to happen. And she is well, negotiating for, in good faith.
1: I, for one, hope that she gets a sal- salary parity with uh, Andrew Lincoln and Norman Reedus. I think she's as important to the story now as the two of them. And I think that if she's not getting as much screen time as those two actors, I think that she should get as much screen
0: time. And that should be, she should get equal billing and equal pay. Oh, I agree with you. I don't even, I don't think the screen time thing is what makes her deserve equal pay. I mean, she is as much a part of this show as they are, and you could easily argue that so is, uh, Melissa McBride and Jeffrey Dean Morgan and a host of other actors actually. And, uh, Lenny James. You also have to look at the,
1: you know, time in seats, right? Like how long these actors have been around in the show. Mm -hmm. Norman Reedus and Andrew Lincoln have been around since the beginning, uh, She's been around since season two and, uh, Michonne has been around since season three. Yep. Right. Like they, uh, she wasn't even, you know, that, that shot they had of her at the end of season two wasn't even her. It was, uh, it was somebody, you know, they had no idea who Michonne was going to be at that point. Right. They hadn't cast right? the actual actress yet. So, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's something to be said about getting in on, uh, the first season. Right. But sometimes, you know, actors, uh, get a bigger role because they become more and more popular. Look at Lodka on, uh, on Taxi, Andy Kaufman, <laughs> his character took off. Yeah. Right. He was just this weird little side character. And by the end of the show, he was the primary character in the show. And, uh, friggin Doc Brown was in that show for crying out loud. What's his name? You uh, know his name. Yeah. Um. Christopher something. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd was on that show. And you'd think that Christopher Lloyd would steal any show that he was on.
0: But no, Andy Kaufman took that one. Yeah, well, he was on a show with Andy Kaufman. I think that's why. And Danny DeVito for crying out loud. Yeah. Right? But you're right. I mean, she's been around since season two. And Judge, not- Hirsch. Judge, <laughs>
1: Judge Hirsch. Judge
0: Judge Hirsch. Are we he gonna start was a in podcast the, on taxi? Uh, why don't we do that? What's that? Why don't we, are we starting a podcast about taxi now? We should start a podcast about taxi. All right. <laughs>
1: uh anyway. That was that was a that show was stocked full of fantastic actors. That was uh Tony Danza was in that show. Tony Danza.
0: Not Tony Danza. It was somebody that looked like Tony Danza. Oh and close enough. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just making stuff up. Uh <laughs> anyway. Anyways Lauren Cohen, you're right. She's been around since season two. If she doesn't get the same salary as those guys, the only reason would be is she's been on for one less year and she gets slightly less screen time. But I don't think those are good enough reasons. So pay her what she's worth, which is a lot, and certainly the same as Andrew Lincoln and Norman Reedus. And then you know what? Just pay Carol that and pay Lenny James that, even though he's leaving, and pay Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And, you know, these people need to get paid because I want to keep them around. Yeah. I don't want anyone to be killed off the show because they didn't feel like paying them to keep them. That is the shittiest thing they can do.
1: Well, there's also, if they want to leave the show and they're. Uh, you know, the same, if she's entertaining multiple offers from multiple shows and that's true and she's considering, legitimately considering leaving, uh, then if they don't want to pay her and she wants,
0: she actually does want to leave, then fine, let her go. Well, that's a different thing. I mean, and we'll never know for sure, right? But AMC, if you're listening, don't screw this up and force Lauren Cohan to leave the show because you're unwilling to give her what she's worth.
1: Yeah. And, uh, pay attention to what you're doing because you don't want to get sued again after the fact. No, that's right. (laughs) You're getting sued enough as it
0: is. Let's, yeah. So let's, uh, let's keep things above board and in good faith, shall we? I agree. All right. Season eight episode titles, the rest of the season. Uh, not all of them are here, but I have a, actually have a, a summary for each one. Spoiler. Uh, synopsis. Yes. So this is a little bit spoilery, everyone. Uh, We are going to run through the first couple of episodes, episode nine and 10 uh, that are coming back soon, have titles and they all have synopsis, synopses. Are the synopses going something like, uh, main characters do stuff and affect other characters' lives deeply? Well, yes and no. I mean, some of them are, are, are sort of that vague, but I think, um, episode 16, the the one for the season finale is actually quite spoilery. Oh, the governor dies, <laughs> even though it's like three seasons ago. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's go through these, but if you are concerned about hearing the titles and synopsis for episodes nine through 16, then, uh, jump forward, hopefully, <laughs> it's not too hard to figure out where this fi- finishes off. Anyways, episode 9 is called Honor. It is directed by Greg Nicotero, and the synopsis is Rick faces new difficulties after a battle. Meanwhile, the fight continues in other communities as core members face hard decisions. So that one's pretty vague. That one Well, not really. I Be- mean, people are fighting.
1: Yeah, we're Yeah, Rick's dealing with his son being bitten on the chest
0: right? So he's de- facing difficulties. Abdomen. It's more stomach area. Well, whatever. On the torso. Yeah. Uh, your chest and, may hang down to your ad- abdomen, but mine doesn't quite. It's the other way around, my friend. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Abdomen's creeping up to my chest. Um, yeah. And then other people are, you know, facing their own crap.
0: Yeah, exactly. People are doing stuff. I, I, I don't consider that one too spoilery. Episode 10 is called The Lost and the Plunderers. I don't know who the director is on this one, but the description is groups unite their forces and converge on the hilltop. Aaron and Enid search for allies. So Aaron and Enid are still out there. Of doing course stuff, doing stuff. Episode 12, no title, no director. Uh, the description is Hilltop's leadership faces a difficult dilemma after the arrival of unexpected visitors. Rick comes face to face with an adversary. So aliens. Rick, Rick faces the aliens, of course. Unexpected visitors. Aliens. That's a euphemism for aliens. Uh, the arrival of unexpected visitors. Yeah, I guess so. Episode 13, trouble arises when unexpected visitors arrive. Oh, I just read that one. No, that's different. Trouble arises when unexpected visitors arrive at the hilltop and the community is thrust into action. Heartbreaking discoveries are made. (laughs) Aliens. That one I like. I thought that was the same for a second. Episode 14. A heaps prisoner makes a discovery. Carol searches for someone in the nearby forest. Rick and Morgan find themselves in the company of strangers. Aliens. Okay. Number 15. With the threat of the saviors still looming... Aaron continues searching for allies, Daryl and Rosita take action and confront an old friend. Who's the old friend? Heath. Oh, maybe, could be.
1: I think they should bring back Heath. Take this opportunity to describe that uh, that card that they found on the ground.
0: Yeah, the triple P card, right? Or That's right, whatever yeah. it was. Episode 16 and you know what, now that I've read through all these, this one doesn't feel as spoiler as I thought it did off the top. So, I don't know if I'd worry about it, but it's the communities join forces in the last stand against the saviors as all out war unfolds. The reason I thought that was so spoilery is because at first reading, when it says the communities join forces, I was kind of thinking that that gave away the fact that there was still scavengers and there is still Alexandrians and there's still Hilltop and you know, these communities kind of still existed, whereas you never know by the end of the season. Um, But now that I read it- It is a little spoiler. Like we
1: know that this whole thing is not going to be resolved until the end. I mean, theoretically, we kind of figured that out. Right. Seeing as though it's a, you know, a season about this thing. Uh, But, you know, now we have definitive proof that, you know, most of the second half of the season is not going to be resolution until the season finale.
0: Yeah. It sounds like there is going to be character movement around the board, Aaron and Enid are out there. Their storyline is going to be played out for all eight episodes, even though we might only see them in one or two. And, um, the, the scavengers are going to hang around as well and still be doing their thing. So, uh, that's, that's what it is. And I kind of assumed most of those things anyways, but we'll have to see how it plays out. But
1: yeah, there's figuring things that are are going to play out one way, and then reading it when they actually announce it, right? Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I mean, who knows? I I am I was led to believe that these are in fact the synopses for the these episodes, um, but I suppose they could be inaccurate, and uh, I take no responsibility if they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, all right. Let's move on to fear the walking dead. So we know that season four is coming up soon and there have been a lot of questions about the timeline and how season four of fear the walking dead is going to work with the whole Morgan thing coming over. And Kirkman has basically revealed what's going to happen. Once again, well. Kirk, Kirkman's saying stuff, uh, so issue number one seventy five of the comic was released recently, and at the end of every comic, there is a letters section where Kirkman responds to some letters that people have written in and one of the re- one of his responses uh when asked about sort of the timeline of um of uh fear and stuff like that, he says this half of season eight of The Walking Dead leads directly into Fear the Walking Dead season Four which will shake that show in a majorly cool way. So people take have taken that to mean that there will be no flashbacks sending Morgan back in time to, to go on Fear the Walking Dead. And it sounds like he season eight of uh, Walking Dead will play out. Morgan will simply leave at the end and show up on Fear the Walking Dead, which will have jumped way forward into the future.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, he might leave the show and then jump way back into the past
0: for Morgan, but the present for the Fear the Walking Dead cast. Well, outside of actual time travel, I think if Morgan, if season eight of Walking Dead leads directly into Fear season four, that seems to mean that this is going to play out. Morgan's going to leave. He's going to travel and he's going to show up on Fear which has spanned all this time. And we are now at the same moment in time on both shows or whatever the moment of time is after the, whatever, however long it takes him to get there. I agree with you that that's what that should
1: mean. Right. But it's Robert Kirkman. (laughs) (laughs) So it's Robert Kirkman saying it. So I think that there might be a way for... Uh, a little bit of play in that language, in that, uh, you know, this season eight will play out and that will lead directly into Fear the Walking Dead. If you follow Morgan as a character in the shows, regardless of timeline, then that statement is true without fucking with either one of those timelines. It's his characters leaving this show and going directly to this other show in the past,
0: Right. Well, okay. Here's what Lenny James had to say. And let me, why don't you tell me if this adds anything or changes your opinion at all? He said, the things that the writers are doing with Morgan and the way that they're navigating, it's not really a spoiler, but the way that Morgan transitions through the crossover is really, really interesting. The springboard that goes from The Walking Dead to Fear is a real, he goes with some kind of trajectory. It is a full, well thought out journey that Morgan goes on. A lot of it is tied to his relationship with Rick. A lot of it is tied to his relationship to this group of people that he feels conflicted and caring for and wanting to protect. <laughs> Does that add anything to it? Uh, hard, hard, confusion. hard to follow. Yeah, I know um, that that pause in the middle there where he said the springboard that goes from The Walking Dead to fear is a real dot, dot, dot. He goes with some kind of trajectory. Apparently that's the quote. So he kind of stopped in the middle and right. changed. Thought about what he said. Thought about what he said, yeah.
1: Changed his You know, I do that all the time. Sure. In fact, in the middle of that sentence, I did exactly that.
0: Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that really tells us anything, but he is saying that whatever it is that pushes Morgan out of one show and into the other is has purpose. And he's going there with a reason and probably to do something. So,
1: yeah, I, 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 I have my doubts. Yeah.
0: That it is a, that it means a significant time jump in fear of the walking dead. Well, it'll be weird if, if there is a significant time jump, but I'm kind of thinking that is what they're going to do now. Uh, you know, we left with the dam exploding and everybody separated and some people who were on the dam, we don't know if they survived and Madison wakes up um, on the side of the river all by herself. So who knows, who knows what they're going to do, but it could be that it takes them this many months or years to get back together. And that's where we pick the show up. I don't know, but that's my feeling at this point. So I don't know, we'll have to see, but regarding fear of the walking dead in general, uh, I got some more quotes here, more from Kirkman. So get ready. He told entertainment weekly he said, I don't want to spoil anything story-wise, but we are changing things a great deal. It's going to be a much different show that is not going to alienate any viewers that have been enjoying the show from seasons one to three, but will give those people new things to love and new characters to latch on It's really going to shake things up.
1: I really want Frank Delane to have a really big beard. <laughs> he might. Listen. If we're going to do a time jump, I want him to be this scruffy, mangy looking thing like uh, the last man on earth.
0: Yeah. That's a gross beard on, uh, what's his name on that show? But what I thought oh, about. Yeah. I
1: want like little fish and birds stuck in it. I want it to look like uh, uh, Prendergast, Blandergast, uh, uh, from Lord, uh, Lord of the Ring, The Hobbit. He was a character, one of the characters in The ho- Hobbit who had oh. the uh, the fast rabbits. That ran around, he had like bird poop on him and like, he was just this, uh, big mess. You'd think I'd have my Lord of the Rings lore a little bit more solid than I do. But, uh, Plandergast, what the fuck was his name?
0: (laughs) Anyways, well, if you're looking that up, I think this quote from Kirkman makes me think that they really weren't that happy with how Fear the Walking Dead was going and they've decided to significantly change it up because we've got new showrunners, we've got Scott Gimple on as a producer, we've got plenty of new actors and characters coming into the show. And again, with a big time jump, that is an easy way to say, oh, look, here's a whole new cast. <laughs> or right. here's here's five or six new characters that we're going to introduce because they all joined in over the last four years that we skipped over. So. I- that can be a pretty big shakeup. It could. I think it's gonna be huge. And then Kirkman coming out and saying it's a much different show. And of course, he was careful to say that it's not gonna alienate any viewers that were watching already. Yeah, um I mean we have the one character that's going to transition nicely. Yeah. We're gonna jump over two or three years, but we're gonna give you Morgan. So you'll be fine. Don't worry about right. it, right? Rat Ratagast. Rat okay ratagast. All right. Um here's another one from Kirkman. And he says, when we started Fear the Walking Dead, the original idea actually included some things that would eventually tie in with the other show. We wanted to give it a few seasons to find its sea legs, so to speak, and make sure that it stood on its own and provided its own experience. The goal was that eventually, once we had established that, we would find some kind of creative way to tie things in. So that quote is, of course, all about the fact that they are doing a crossover with the main show. And I love this quote because (laughs) all I can think is, oh, Kirkman, oh, Robert Kirkman, you have essentially 100% contradicted yourself here from two, three, four years ago because everything they said back then was no crossovers. It doesn't make sense. We're not doing a crossover. We wanted to do a crossover the whole time. And that's exactly what this quote was. We wanted to give it some time, but we had the ideas from the very beginning. So which way is it? You can't have it both ways, Robert. Yes, you can. Can you? As long as you are Robert. Anybody else, you couldn't have it both ways. But does this indicate that they're they're flying by the seat of their pants to a degree? Like they decide to do another. Well, are you sure they decide to do another show and then- And they they have one vision for it. And now it's not quite going the way they want it to. So throw out the plan and go to plan B. We're going to do a crossover. I think
1: the only thing this indicates is that 90% of what he says is 100% bullshit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's probably exactly true. But I still feel like they did have they I'm sure they had one plan to begin with. And it changed. And he's just sort of forgetting that because he can't keep his story straight. Well, he's got a convenient memory and is loose with facts. Well, I thought it would be fun to go back in time a little bit and look up some of the quotes from, from important people back in the day. And but I, f- you're talking about Teddy Roosevelt? Yes, exactly. And what they think about, or what all these important people think about doing a crossover between fear and walking dead. So Here's some quotes I found, and I think these are hilarious when taken uh, with the one from Robert Kirkman I just read. Robert Kirkman at Hawaii Comic-Con, I think about a year ago, might have been 2016 Hawaii Comic-Con, he said, we're already on season seven, and this one's on season two. Of course, he means Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. This one's on season two, and that would be crazy. As far as if those characters will ever encounter each other, I mean, they're in the same universe, so it's completely possible. Geographically, they're nowhere near each other, so it would be somewhat far-fetched if Group A were to somehow encounter Group B, unless over the course of many, 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 many seasons, somehow it made sense. And uh, one season later, they're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And they had the idea the whole time. Right. Right dave erickson somebody's lying dave erickson the former fear the walking dead showrunner who just wrapped season uh, three asked about doing a crossover and this came from uh august 2016. he said as of right now no there is no plan from a narrative perspective Never mind the geography of it all, I think it would be too difficult to pull off. I don't think there's anything, as far as I've read in the comic, I don't think there's any trackway for that either. It's such a complicated proposition, and I think for the time being the two shows just need to exist in their own spheres.
1: <laughs> so he's Sphere like, of the nope,
0: Walking Dead? Nope, it's possible. Sphere of the Walking Dead. There you go. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> and in October of twenty fifteen, Gail Ann heard had this to say about it. Our group of survivors in The Walking Dead haven't even made it as far as Washington, D.C. yet in six seasons, and they are not that far away. So for the fear characters to make it across the country, for what? I mean, why would you go there? I mean, how would we motivate our characters to head to D.C. or, you know, head to the Southeast? I don't think that that's something uh, that would be natural outgrowth of who our characters are and why they... Uh, and where they are when the show begins. And then in the same interview, she was presented with the idea that many producers would probably love the chance to work on a crossover on this show. And she said, but that would be truly jumping the shark because it's not an outgrowth of who your characters are and what it is that each wants and needs. You're trying to contort them so that they'll fit into a plot line that simply isn't logical. I think uh, I think the thing is to care for the characters. <laughs> well, that's uh scathing indictment so, about what, uh, what's about to happen. So I don't mean <laughs> to, to, to make all these people look bad, because at the time they were speaking, I believe they truly meant what they were saying. And I don't think there was a plan from the beginning to cross over these two shows. It happened because uh, they realized that it would be probably good for ratings probably good to spread the audience around a little bit and as we know the viewership numbers for both shows are going down they're not going up
1: yeah I think there's a but there was a bunch of people sitting in a room or maybe two people just sitting in the room and the conversation sort of went like I know let's do a crossover that's uh, a great idea man <laughs> are they smoking Ooh. weed while they do good. that I'm not
0: saying anything. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying the conversation kind of went like that. All right. Well, yeah, it may have. And somebody thought it was a great idea. And now people are changing their tune. So, yeah. Anyways, I thought that was kind of funny, but I hope it doesn't feel like we're piling on too much here. uh, Because you know what? I think maybe the crossover is going to be amazing and it's going to turn out to be a great idea.
1: I've had lots of great ideas that were last minute and didn't make any sense whatsoever and turned out to be mildly okay.
0: Well, yeah. So and, and I
1: believe in these professionals being able to pull this kind of shit off uh, <laughs> when uh,
0: I would do a marginal job at best. Well, that's the thing, and and you've probably had great ideas at the 11th hour that actually turned into great ideas, you know?
1: I've got, no, I've had lots of great ideas that turned into absolutely zero. I just told you about one the other day, the lying alarm clock. More on that later
0: (laughs) because I'm going to work on it. It's an alarm clock that lies to you. (laughs) I like the idea. I (laughs) think. I'm not sure. When I wake up in the morning and I don't know exactly what time it is, I might not like it then, but.
1: That's the point. That's the point. You don't know what time it is. You don't, you, you're not sure of what time it is. You're not sure if your alarm went off early or late.
0: You got, just got to go. You got to get up and you got to go. Right. Okay. Well, now that it's out there, someone's going to do it. Well, they should. Okay. Because I think it's fun. Jason will buy one. <laughs> There's just a real good chance that I'm not going to do it. So somebody do it. All right. You set, your, you set your alarm and it goes off either 15 minutes early or 15 minutes late, but you don't know which.
1: So yeah, you, you have a dial,
0: going. uh, on, uh, you know, when you set your alarm and, but then you have a dial for variance,
1: you know, I want this to vary by about 15 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour and a half or whatever crazy, you know, amount you want, but you have, you have the ability to tell it,
0: I want you to lie to me a little or lie to me a lot. Right. And, and so when you do wake up, you better get going. Cause you don't know if you're early or late.
1: Yeah, you could be like super late or you could be, you know, 20 minutes early comfortably. I don't early.
0: know. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> good. Anyways, uh that is it for the news and um that's that's all I got this this week, Jason. So is, is there anything else you want to just fly by the seat of our pants here a little bit and and chat through before we wrap this up? We don't we don't no. do this kind of thing. We plan ahead generally. But here yeah, well, we are. You
1: wanted to talk about uh, Cloverfield paradox, didn't you?
0: Well, I sort, sort of. of, sort of did. I mean, I, I watched it and, I watched uh, it. I watched it in the airport. Yeah. I, I watched it in my basement <laughs> in front right. of the TV. Um, yeah. So, uh, let, us just, let's do this, do this. Uh, we're, we're, we're done walking dead stuff. Everybody, uh, we'll of course be back. Um, you want to wrap it up and just do it after hours. Well, that's kind of what this is anyways. Right? right. We might just, we might just hang for a few minutes here, which is, like I said, not something we've typically done. We sort of plan it out and then do it. But, um, walking dead comes back uh, on the 25th. So that's a couple of weeks from now. Uh, our next podcast will likely be covering that, um, covering the, uh, mid season premiere. Super excited about that. And, uh, hope you join us for that as well. Of course, uh, it's going to be a busy few months of podcasting coming up when you figure that we've got walking dead fear, the walking dead starting immediately the same night uh. the show ends uh i'm going to be doing the evil dead cast with uh those guys again uh jason and rich over there so that starts i think on the same day as walking dead so a lot of podcasting coming up and if you're a fan of what we do or you're a fan of the walking dead or evil dead then uh, i hope you tune in all right um we will officially end the show in a little bit but uh, you want to talk about Cloverfield Paradox? Sure, Maybe a little bit. All right. So I'll tell you that I was a big fan of the first two Cloverfield movies. I thought the first one was pretty good. I thought 10 Cloverfield Lane was great, like really good. Really enjoyed that movie, Uh, partly because John Goodman was fantastic, but I just thought it was a really well done, well directed movie. Great little story and just fascinating and super interesting. And then Cloverfield Paradox comes along. They drop it Right after the Super Bowl, with no warning, onto Netflix, other than the trailer that came out during the Super Bowl that said uh, "Stay tuned after the game," or or I mean, stop watching this game and go over to Netflix. Well, as soon as the <laughs> game is done, we're gonna release it on Netflix. You can watch it. It took me about four days to find time to put it on, but I did, and I don't think it was that great. You didn't like it, eh? I, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I didn't, I don't regret watching it, but um. Yeah, I I don't think it comes to the level of either of the first two. And um it just didn't strike me. It didn't capture me as much. I don't have any interest in going back and rewatching it. Um but there was nothing really wrong with it. It was just kind of meh for me.
1: I liked it. I thought it was uh, I thought it was it was well done. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of the sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. The only thing I didn't like about it was it gives a plausible explanation as to why the first two Clover move, Cloverfield movies were sequels. And I didn't like that. I didn't like, I didn't want them intertwined like that. And this movie gave them uh, a way to intertwine them. In it, and that kind of bugged me. But that was also offset with Chris O'Dowd yelling, what are you talking about, Arm? <laughs>
0: you know yeah and that kind of made up for it it it. i don't know if it did though i i enjoy chris o'dowd he was funny in this movie but i thought he was a little too goofy like the, the things that are happening and i don't want to give away too much but the the like crazy things start happening in this movie one after another yeah. and chris o'dowd is there to react to it in a funny goofy way and i thought it was a little too much i mean there would be more paranoia or terror or or just general confusion about i think what was going on than him cracking wise about it and i love the no, guy No, but that's just the kind of guy he is he was cracking wise long before it started getting tense right and then it gets tense and he probably needs to tone down the wisecracking a nah, bit because that's when the wise wisecracking gets up to 11. No, I think it should have gone the other way. And, and like I said, I love Chris O'Dowd and he's really funny and stuff. And in the right roles, his kind of uh, comedic delivery really works well. I'm just not sure this was the right movie for that. Um, so again, I, I enjoyed him, but I, I didn't think he fit really well. Uh, but I don't know. The rest of the movie, yeah, it was it was fine. That's kind of how I feel about it. <laughs>
1: Well, the only other thing is when uh, one character says we're not in uh, we're not in Kentucky anymore." At that time, I was in Kentucky in, in an airport waiting to leave Kentucky. And I kind of wished I wasn't in Kentucky anymore because my
0: plane was three hours late, yeah, that is sort of funny to to drop that uh, reference while you're sitting in an airport in Kentucky. yeah, you were in Cincinnati Airport, which is weird because it's actually in Kentucky. That's right. It's across the river in Kentucky. <laughs> I didn't realize that Cincinnati was uh, right on the border there. No,
1: neither did I. And I was a little bit confused because I was picking up the my rental car and the address was in Kentucky. And I'm like, well, if I'm picking it up at the airport, why the hell am I going to Kentucky? And so I started looking it up and I'm like, oh, the airport's in Kentucky. I get it. It's right there. Yeah. Yeah. I can see and why- I got to say the uh, the drivers in the US along the interstates are a lot nicer than they are here. Nobody, not once while I was driving on the highway in Kentucky, did anybody drive up my ass. As soon as I left the airport in Toronto, when I took my car, uh, people started driving up my ass just because (laughs) they could. They're assholes here. Down there, there was, everybody was really nice. Lots of space. Nobody crowded you. They moved out of the way if you were coming up from
0: behind them. It was beautiful driving down there. Huh, that's nice of, of them. Maybe there's just not as many people like we are super, our roads here in Toronto are just jam packed. Right. So it's like always rush hour coming through Toronto. And I wonder if that contributes to the one, the aggression of the drivers and two, just the, the packing of the cars into the roads. I don't know. Compared to driving down there up here is just wall to wall assholes (laughs) in my opinion. I mean, that can be good in one thing, but not when you're on the road. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it all depends on your, you know, preferences. Tolerance for assholes, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, so you, and, but your trip was good. Like what was the weather like down in Kentucky?
1: Oh, it was nice. It was like uh, 10 degrees. Uh, it rained one day and everybody freaked out. Like, oh my God, <laughs> be careful on the
0: road, roads. It's raining. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> but the farther South you go, the harder it rains. I, I find. I don't so. know. It
1: just seemed like I looked at the window and they were saying that on the news and it was
0: just raining. Huh. All right. When Jason says 10 degrees, of course he means Celsius. So, yes, yeah. No, I remember here in the uh
1: the elevator, and he said, "Oh, it was 31 degrees. It seemed like the coldest 31 degrees I ever felt. Like this seems like summer outside. This is nice." My
0: wife just called me. She said she had to shovel a foot of snow. Yeah. We got a lot of snow while you were gone. It and then it and then it continued snowing when you got back, so. Yeah. Uh and it turned out that
1: I was sick when I was down there. I had uh I got the stomach flu on the plane. First time I ever threw up on a plane. Well, what's that like? That was like? fun. I want to hear what that's it, like. That's not fun. They had the air sick bag and I had it beside me because I was expecting, I was feeling nauseous. And uh, just, I had uh, the stomach flu, but it's not really stomach flu. It's called gastroenter throwing the fuck up a lot. <laughs> yeah. What, what's it called? <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, I started feeling nauseous while I was waiting to get on the plane. And I thought, I could power through this. If I back out of getting on the plane now, it was like 20 minutes before boarding. I'm like, they're going to have to find my bag. And they're going to delay the whole flight just because some asshole decided he didn't want to get on a plane. And I didn't want to be that guy. So I ended up getting on the plane and turned into the guy that barfs on the plane. So I had the airsick bag. (laughs) Apologized to the lady next to me. (laughs) It was, and then I had to roll up the bag and hang onto it for the next 20 minutes while we landed and got to the gate. That was fun.
0: So, oh, that's, that's the worst. And then I
1: rented a car and had to pull over on the I-75 so I could throw up in another airsick bag. And then I got to the hotel and spent all night throwing up. That was not fun.
0: Anyway, I'm better now. No, you sound great now. That is the worst, man. All by yourself in a, in a foreign place don't know anybody, don't know where you are, don't know where you're going. And you're pulling over on the side of the road to like throw up on the, in the ditch. <laughs> uh, it was, that drive was absolutely
1: awful. It was awful. It was an hour between, uh, the Kentucky or the, uh, sorry, the Cincinnati airport and Lexington. And, uh, it was the worst drive ever. It was so horrible. I probably even shouldn't have
0: even been driving. No, it's not good. Probably not. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but it is sort of funny. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a story now, right? That's right. Now that you're okay and you're all And I had to,
1: you know, I'm going down there. It's the first time I'm going down to meet with the clients, right? So it's, you know, I'm down there. I'm meeting the project team. I'm meeting the clients. First thing I do is type an email. Sorry, I have to call in sick. Can't come to work today. I mean, I'm here. You know, I'm 40 feet away from you. (laughs) And some of you people are probably staying at the same hotel. Don't come for a visit. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'll be here throwing up. You guys be there talking to the client. Oh. But I was able to go the next day and
0: meet with client. Everything was fine. Good. And spread your gastroenteritis around a little bit.
1: Something's going on. So it's, it's spreading around. We got notices from the daycare that it is going around and that it can revisit. So we have to be careful mm-hmm. because uh, you can get it again. And I don't want to get it again. It was not fun the first time. Uh, it's not going to be fun the second time. So we're going to make sure we wash all our hands and take
0: lots of baths and <laughs> <laughs> Make sure Jasper doesn't get sick. Generally be clean. Yeah. Well, that doesn't sound fun, but you, you made it back. So, uh, and you're going to be going down to Kentucky some more, I hear. I will. It's In the
1: months to come, I'll be going down every now and again.
0: As I always say, everyone, if you're a listener from Kentucky and you see Jason walking around, say hi.
1: Say hi. Yes. And yes, maybe please. I'll even
0: buy some whiskey. For me? Well, it's not going to be for me. No. Yeah. Bring me, uh, bring me back a, a present. That'll be nice.
1: Yeah, we'll
0: see. Um, One more thing before we finish here. I did think of uh, another movie I saw recently that I liked more than uh, The Cloverfield Paradox. And that's the recent last year's remake of Murder on the Orient Express.
1: Oh, I was, uh,
0: I just saw an ad for that and I was interested in watching it. Is it good? Um, Yeah, I liked it. And I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what the critical reception was for it or how it did in the box office. But I was kind of interested in seeing it. There's a lot of great actors in it. Uh, and one terrible one, which is Johnny Depp, because I hate that guy. Uh, well, he's not a human being anymore. He's not right? a human being.
1: As an actor, he, I'm, he's a human being, but he doesn't play human beings anymore. And I'm not sure he's capable of playing a human being anymore. Well, he's pretty human in this movie. Uh, is he
0: like an actual human, not over the top frigging Jack Sparrow human? No, he's not like that at all. No, he's, he's more down to earth in this film, but I'll say it's a, it's a beautiful movie. I thought it was shot really well. The, the scenic landscape as the train is going through the mountains is beautiful. Early on in the movie, there's scenes in Istanbul, uh, that are just amazing, totally breathtaking. So beautifully shot movie. Quite well acted, in my opinion. All kinds of great actors: Kenneth Branagh, Daisy Ridley, uh, Judy Dench. Um, oh. uh, who's the guy that played uh, Green Goblin in the old Spider Mans? Um, that guy. Oh, uh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, yeah, um, and and uh, plenty of other characters or uh, other actors as well. So, I quite liked it. I'm one of those people. I've never seen the original uh, murder on the art express movie. I did kind of know the story, but I did not know how, what the outcome was, how it played out. So f- for me, it was a surprise. I don't know if that would change your opinion of the film. If, if, uh, you do kind of know how the story plays out, but I quite liked it. So that one I actually recommend. And I think you should check that one out if you have a chance. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool if just for the, the acting and sort of the scenic vistas alone.
1: I don't know. The last thing I liked Johnny Depp in where he played a human being was Secret Window.
0: Yeah. I liked Secret Window too, but what was that? 20 years ago? I don't know. <laughs> it was a long time. <laughs> it had John Turturro in it. That was uh that was quite a good movie. It, Stephen King novel. Yeah. Well, that, that one I liked. He's the writer in that one, right? So yeah, he's a well, writer. He's,
1: no, I'm not going to spoil any.
0: All right. That's correct. <laughs> okay. He's a writer. Yes. Um, so. Stephen King writes a lot about writers. You know that? Stephen King? Well, you write misery. about what you, you know. Uh, what's that? You write about what you know. <laughs>
1: you do, which is, you know, cocaine-fueled entertainment.
0: There you go. Uh, so anyways, Murder on the Orient Express, good. Cloverfield Paradox, not so much for me. That's too bad. I liked it. Yeah. Well, apparently there's going to be another Cloverfield series movie coming out October this year, so a fourth oh, yeah? one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The, the only thing I, I guess the, the other thing I didn't like about the uh, Cloverfield, the Cloverfield Paradox is, uh, that trope where, uh, why do they make spaceships so big? Like if there's only six crew members or seven or eight crew
0: members, that's a big fucking spaceship for seven people. It does seem pretty large now that I think about it, but I didn't they realize gotta be, that they're at They're the running
1: everywhere. They're not running into each other when they're doing it. I mean, the, uh, the, the International Space Station is big, but you ever see a uh, a walk of the of that space station? Yeah, it is cramped. It is small. There's no they sleep in nooks and crannies. Uh, there's n- every single ounce of material that goes into that space station has to be lifted from Earth into orbit, and that is expensive. They're not going to make these expansive corridors where people have to run from point A to point B in order to get something done.
0: Well, Holy yeah. shit. No, I hear what you're saying, but if it's far enough in the future, I mean, maybe they've just slowly expanded on the station until it's that massive. Like maybe our international space station in 500 years will be humongous and well, populated maybe, by 500 people. I don't know.
1: I don't know. It just, it seems like there's a lot of space per person for a space station.
0: Yeah, that's true. Per person. It's it's uh kind of expansive, but I never really thought about that. But you're right, they do tend to make space stations enormous.
1: <laughs> I yeah, I would think that space stations would be rel- relatively cramped. Just because you know, it's expensive, you know? Well, yeah. And you don't know, want everybody in the same place. You know, space station, one big room plus an accelerator on top.
0: Well, one big room, maybe with some private quarters. There you go. Yeah. A curtain
1: here and there, right? That's what they're going to do. They're not going to give you a door that's soundproof so you can listen
0: to your music at full blast. They're going to give you a fucking curtain and a pair of headphones. Here's the curtain and the bathroom has a beaded curtain in front of it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if you want to jerk off, you ask everybody to turn around. Oh my God. (laughs) That's what you do in space. (laughs) Jeez, That's what you do in tight quarters. Can you guys just turn around for a minute? And hey, pull your you ears? think that doesn't happen on,
1: uh, uh, submarines? It happens on submarines. You want to, you want somebody to, you want to, you want to masturbate? People just ignore it because that's what human beings got
0: to do what human beings got to do. <laughs> I'm sure you're right, but I'm choosing to not think about it <laughs> <laughs> and never go on a submarine.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm claustrophobic. You wouldn't get me through the friggin' door. I, I mean, I've been on submarine
0: museums that I'm, I'm not even sure I could do that. Oh, Look you should. down the hatch and go, fuck that shit. There's I've done it. No that. That's, that's cool. You should do that. Hey, I thought, I thought of one more thing before, we, before I want to go here. All right. Last time on the podcast, we talked about Black Mirror and yeah. we got a few responses from people about that episode. And here's an email from Matt in Yorkshire, England. He wrote, Hey, enjoyed your review of season four of Black Mirror. Agreed with pretty much everything you said about most of the episodes, but feel that you really did a disservice to Metalhead. It was a fantastic episode. The black and white really complemented the bleakness and hopelessness of the episode. A relentless, human-made killer hell-bent on completing its mission. The lack of backstory just added to the horror, allowing the viewer to construct their own ideas and vision of what had got us to this point. Sure, it borrowed in parts from other films and TV shows— but what, uh, these days doesn't Maxine peak gave a great performance in what was an, uh, in what, in what was in effect a one woman show. And I think that was yet another example of the casting of the whole series, which has been spot on. So yeah. Um, I think, I think Matt makes a great point and just kind of hearing what he has to say in a way makes me think back on that episode a little bit more fondly and we heard from some other people about uh, metalhead as well that really really liked it and thought we kind of didn't give it as fair a shake as we should have um which is fair however the thing about black mirror for me <laughs> is that i don't think there has been a bad episode of that show yet and even the ones that i don't think are quite as good are still better than most stuff on tv so saying that metalhead was my second least favorite of the season i think is still and i and i probably wasn't clear about this but it's still really actually fairly high praise because i'm comparing it to the rest of black mirror which i think is generally brilliant and right. that makes it better than a lot of stuff that's that's actually uh, otherwise on tv so right so you're saying your sliding scale is off this, maybe a little bit yeah may appear that you'd liked it less than you actually did that's exactly what it comes down to i still think it was really good uh but compared to you know the rest of the show which i just think is stellar and phenomenal and whatever else i can come up with to express how good i think it is uh but you know what matt New yorkshire says here is is absolutely correct and and so and i you know agree with what he has to say and what everyone else had to say too so
1: yeah. And I, I'm glad it actually, uh, that this came up because one thing I forgot to mention, uh, in the review of that episode was that Maxine Peake, uh, I really liked her in Silk. Go watch the television show Silk. It, uh, it's, it's a wonderful, um, courtroom drama, uh, from Britain. I'm not even sure I've ever heard of it. So, so it's
0: great. Okay. There's it like three or four seasons. Uh, it's on Netflix, I think. Okay. I'll, I'll check it out. I mean, I wasn't familiar with her at all. So, uh, she was good and, you know, as a one woman show, it was, it was quite the thing. So I, I'd check her out in something else, but I don't know Silk, but, uh, I will check it out.
1: Well, you know, my wife and I, we tend to watch anything law related
0: and if it's from Britain, even better. Even better. Yeah. So. That's good. There's all kinds of British stuff on uh, Netflix these days. So you guys have quite the uh, selection to choose from. I think
1: there's, yeah, there's so much content. that's (laughs) so good from Britain. Like, oh uh, yeah, I could just, I could go on forever.
0: Those Brits know what they're doing in the TV department. Sometimes. Sometimes. All right, let's wrap it up, Jason. That is, uh, that's going to do it. I think so. Couple more weeks until the walking dead comes back for the, you know, the second half of season eight. I am looking forward to it. We are going to get, uh, probably the death of Carl, but maybe not, but we're definitely going to get a bunch of extended length episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm, I always like to keep the faith. I think everything's going to be great. I hope so. We'll see how it plays out. We'll get back to recapping those episodes when they're back on February 25th is when the show is back. Uh in the meantime though if you want to get in touch with us by all means visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com where you can find all of our episodes going back to the very beginning. Um and I do want to mention one thing. I've gotten some people writing in to ask how they can download the episodes straight off the website. And I realize that's not as easy as it used to be and in fact impossible in some cases. The latest episode, the one that is sort of up top on the homepage, there is a download link there. So you can always download that one. It's the back catalog that uh, don't seem to have download links. And I'm afraid that's the way this new theme was, which I customized a little bit myself, but uh, it was a little, seemed a little tricky to get that going. So uh, I apologize. I'll see what I can do. But for now, Yeah, those download links aren't there with the back catalog. But if you're on top of things, the latest episode does have a download link on the main homepage. So, um, of course, if you want to get any other episodes, every single one of them is available in Apple Podcasts uh, back to the beginning. So, if you're subscribed to that, you can scroll back and get them all. Uh, I realize not everyone does subscribe to it, but. That is one way if you're desperate. So I'll see what I can do about the website. But for now. I'm going to commit right here. I just, I think I'm going to go
1: out on the limb and I'm going to commit that, uh, you know, by tomorrow, Chris will
0: have that fixed. How about (laughs) tomorrow? (laughs) How about you give me, uh, until the show is back on in two weeks. (laughs) All right. Uh, at some point that'll be fixed. (laughs) Uh, very good. Thank you, Jason. No problem. Um, so that's the website. Visit that for, um, for for all the episodes, plus send voicemail at the top. You can click on that to record a message if you'd like to send it to us. And visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead or talkingdead on Twitter. And of course, all your email can be sent to Talking Dead podcast at gmail.com so this was a slightly weird episode everyone we kind of we did the news and then just sort of i don't know parlayed into uh, a few other random things yeah and uh why not it was fun until next time thanks for tuning in and my name is chris my name is jason thanks for listening Ciao.